When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Unsackable Podcast, our second episode of our extensive, in-depth, group-by-group World Cup coverage. I am here with Filippo Silva. By the way, now I know that there's a little bit of an Italian background to your name. Do you like Filippo or Filippo? Um, I don't know, man. In Brazil, it's just Filippo, right? Okay. So I, I, in Italian, I think that's the way to pronounce it as well. Uh, my last name too in Brazil was also Italian. So there's a lot of Italian within me. And my, my soccer team in Brazil is also Italian, the former Palestra Italia, right? Palmeiras. Uh-huh. A lot of Italian involved in my family. So I, I think I remember when we worked on that video back in the day about Palmeiras, I think I remember a stat being like, Brazil has one of the largest Italian um, sort of groups of people. Yeah, outside of Italy or something like um, that. Yeah, at one yeah. time, at least. Especially Sao Paulo, right? Sao Paulo has a lot of that. Um, a lot of Italians. Yeah. But you said second. Did we already... This is our second group preview? It is, because this is group B. This is group B. True, true. You know? Group A, we're going alphabetically. So group B here, obviously, we have Wales, England, Iran, and of course, Filippo, Filippo, Pipo, USA. Now, USA is one of those teams where it feels like there is constantly another, a second coming of the American Civil War every time there's spoken about, whether it's people divided on Greg Bearhalter, people divided on the striker, people divided on who should be playing in the back line. There's always something going on in the Twitterverse. So what is it like for USA coming into this World Cup? Because it seems like the qualifying campaign was a bit iffy, a bit touch and go, definitely underachieving. I think that's safe to say. How do you feel going into this? Yeah, I think the first thing we can talk about, just to leave it clear to everyone, we're recording this in November, in November 2nd, okay? So uh, if any injuries happen after that, please ignore any names that we end up mentioning, okay? I want to make that clear because sometimes I get those comments on videos like, oh, this guy's injured. It's like, yeah, no crap. I recorded this three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's uploaded for weeks. But um, I think going to your question is the United States, uh, I think – underachieving was a bit is an oversimplification right it was a very poor campaign in world cup qualifying definitely better than the previous cycle where we didn't qualify to russia but the team was just poor like we couldn't get anything done away we couldn't win away and and that is probably the most worrying aspect of our campaign in world cup qualifying because we're not playing the 2022 world cup at home we're playing it away right it, despite people saying it's neutral the United States has played opponents, for example, in September in neutral ground against Japan and Saudi Arabia, and we couldn't get a win. It seems like every time we play outside of the U.S., we're a different team for the worse. And I think right. something that's worth noting for people who don't necessarily follow CONCACAF, and I'll let you get back into this in a sec, but a lot of the CONCACAF tournaments are played on U.S. soil, whether that be Nations League or Gold Cup, right? So yes. anyway, that's something for people to keep in mind, that a lot of the success has also come at home for the United States. 
Yeah, the United States at home does fairly well, to say the least. And and it was like that in this campaign. We were very good at home. Uh, but when we went away, we only got one win. And we beat the only win we got away was against Honduras, which was the worst team in, in CONCACAF, the final eight, right? The last round of World Cup qualifying. Honduras was the only team we beat away. Outside of that, we even got to a point where we lost to, we lost to Panama. We lost to Costa Rica uh, in a game where Costa Rica wasn't even really, you know, they weren't playing their main guys. And they still beat us. And we played our best players. So I think that's probably one of the aspects that worries us the most about this World Cup for the United States. And, and yeah, you mentioned Greg Berhalter, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him more and more um, on this podcast because he is... He's probably he's one of the he's probably the biggest topic in the U.S. men's national team. He's bigger than any player right now, um, Greg. Uh, he does bounce passes, has silly press conferences, um, is stubborn, has his favorites. It's just so much going on with Greg. Um, he, I'll give him credit for one thing. I, I do think he was far worse if you go back two years ago. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if we can say the thing the same about Gareth Southgate in England. It looks like he might even be worse. No, and I think that that's actually a good time to sort of pivot, just so we don't linger on the United States too long. We'll get back to them when we look at sort of how we expect this to pan out. But England is one of those teams where I think it's safe to say, look, you're always talking about, and everyone actually is talking about how there's the the English tax on transfers and how English players are constantly overhyped by their media. They're always seen as sort of world beaters. But then they always end, well, I shouldn't say always end up flopping. Somehow they find their ways to, you know, the final four of two tournaments in a row, which is nothing to sort of sneeze at. I think that you can talk a little bit about the paths that they had to take and how they themselves, you know, talking about home advantage, they basically had a home advantage throughout the entirety of Euro 2020. But Gareth Southgate, sorry, trip over his name there, (laughs) South and Gate, Gareth Southgate um, was seen almost as like this this mastermind during the 2018 World Cup. And then Euro 2020 comes along, he makes it to the final, they end up losing. But then this recent Nations League campaign was atrocious for them. They were horrible, losing at home to Hungary, etc., etc., etc. They definitely spe- sort of smack of a team, in my opinion, that has more talent, maybe, of course, like we were saying, overblown a little bit, more talent, then they do have tactical brains at the helm of this team because he consistently found a way for it to just not work out for England in this last go around, didn't he? Uh, here's the thing with England. I think, and this might be, well, not a shock. A lot of people have heard me say this, at least people that follow me on YouTube. I don't think England underachieves. I think they always achieve exactly what they're supposed to. I, I I really do believe that. I just think that they're just not good enough. I think that they've always been overrated. And I think one thing that can't be taken out of context is being overrated doesn't mean you're bad. They're always a good team. I think one thing we could say that they underachieved is when they get knocked out in the group stage, right? In 2014, that was an underachievement. But for the most part, let's go back to the Euro 2020 and the World Cup in 2018. So the World Cup in 2018, England lost to every single elite opponent that they faced, Adrian. Yeah, they did. All of them. So they they kick off the World Cup beating Panama 6-1. That's expected. Then, well, maybe 6-1 was a bit too much, but you would expect England to beat Panama with some ease. And then, sorry, they didn't kick off with that game. Who did they beat before Panama? I think Tunisia. Um, 
Tunisia, yes, yes. So they beat first um, Tunisia, then they play Panama. After they play Panama, they they lo- they lose to Belgium and they finish in second in their group, right? After that, they go and they defeat Colombia on PKs. That is fair, right? And in that World Cup, they were about the same level. Maybe England was a little bit better on paper, but one one goes to PKs. England advances. Then England defeats Sweden in the quarterfinals. Again, that's what you expect right? England to defeat Sweden. And they did. And then they faced Croatia, the dark horse of the tournament, had a very good team and was informed, well coached. Croatia defeats England 2-1 in extra time. And then they go to the third place playoff and they lose to Belgium 2-0. So they lost to Belgium twice and they lost to every single elite team they faced, they got, they lost. So I don't understand the hype of them in that World Cup. It almost seems like they made it that far just because it was fate, right? Yeah, I think I think you're onto something there. And at the time, a lot of people were very defensive about England's run um, and saying like, oh, you can only beat the teams in front of you, blah, blah, blah. They're much better. Well, they're right. And they're right, yeah. But I think now that they've seen sort of the true face of England of, under Gareth Southgate, or maybe this you know, United Nations run was just an anomaly. We'll find out at this World Cup definitively, right? But I think a lot of people are starting to think, okay, maybe this guy who wants to bring on more right backs than he does center backs and the way that he sets up this team and the way that he has them almost underperforming in a sense, I think at least maybe he isn't as good as they thought. And like I just said, this will sort of be the proof in the pudding, I think in this well, World Cup. But Adrian, we can even go more recent. Let's go to the Euros, right? England was placed in a group of Croatia, Scotland, and the Czech Republic. Okay. They defeat Croatia 1-0. Fair. Good result. I think Croatia are a strong side. Then they tie Scotland 0-0. And then they squeeze a 1-0 win against Czech Republic. Okay, that's good. Not impressive, but good. They got the job done. Then they go to round of 16 and they face Germany. A German side that wasn't under Hansi Flick. They were pretty much with Joaquin Le leaving, right? It was done. Nothing was working for that. It was a German side that were expecting a better one in the World Cup. But they defeat Germany 2-0. And all these games are in England, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right? In the Euros? Uh, yes, all of them have been. All of them were in England except for the match against Ukraine, which you'll get to, obviously. Okay, and then they defeated Ukraine 4-0, which is fair. England is a much better team. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the game that Harry Kane put on a show. He had a very good performance against Ukraine. And if you have Harry Kane in a good day, that, that will happen. Then they defeated Denmark in the semifinals, which that is an impressive win. But we do need to add some context. Denmark just went through a traumatic experience in that tournament with Ericsson, which it does have to shake your team in one way, shape, or form, or at least have some mental fatigue. And it was in England, and they defeated them 2-1. And then they played Italy in the final, a team that didn't qualify to the World Cup, despite all the qualities that they do have. And England lost at home on PK. So everything here that England did was good. But to say they underachieved, I just don't see it. I, I think they were all fair. I don't think they overachieved either. I thought it was fair. England I mean, reaching the final of these matchups, it was fair. England reaching the semifinals in the World Cup, I thought it was fair with who they faced. Um, so I don't think Southgate is a genius or, well, I mean, I do think he's under, I, I think he underperforms with the players he has and is a bit stubborn. But overall, the, his achievements have been normal. 
I guess you could look at it that way, but then you look at their recent Nations League. Let's just go through all the recent things. That was and how They finished bottom of their group. They got relegated to League B. They had zero wins from six attempts, three draws, three losses. I mean, they lost at home. What was it? Four? Yeah, four nil against Hungary at home. That is horrible. They only scored on Germany. Uh, yes, yes. That they is couldn't the score a goal on Hungary with two games, and they couldn't score a goal on Italy in two games. And and um, yeah, that that one was one that yes, I agree with you. They underachieved in that one. You'd expect them to at least finish second in that group, maybe top it. But again, you look at their. I, I know we're spending a lot of time on England, um, and we want to talk about other ones, and I'm sure. Most people listening to this are more interested probably on England than any other nation. But you look at some of their players also that are highly rated, right? We'll talk. I'll, I want to talk about, for example, Rice, yeah. which is a great player, by the way. He's a fantastic player. Um, but you have English pundits and football ac- experts claiming he might be better than Casemiro. Right? Yeah, now. that that is blasphemous. Which yeah, so when you when you have people that say stuff like that, it's either marketing or they just don't understand the game at all. Right? Casemiro right now is probably the best player for Man United. Just won the Champions League not so long ago, a couple months ago as a key player. He's not like they're talking about as if Casemiro's this like 36-year-old legend ready to retire. The guy's still in his prime. And they're talking about Rice being better than him. What what is this, right? Yeah, and then and, and then you look at some other players in the team. Like, no disrespect to him, but like Jack Grealish gets called in for the national team. That is a good player, but that's not a World Club Cup winning player. Raheem Sterling. He he's just, in awful form. Well, he I honestly I never thought he was that good. Just runs around a lot and has like a, a tight dribble. That's about it. Can't finish very well. Not that like these are players that what I look at this and I, I talk about the English national team. I, I talk about it like this. Brazil and France on paper are World Cup contenders. We agree on that, right? Yeah. How many English players would make the Brazilian roster? Kane on a good day. Hurricane, um, no, Hurricane for sure. Hurricane for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, maybe Jude Bellingham, who's been Jude playing Bellingham would for well. sure. He would for sure over Fred. Uh, you guys could use a right back, maybe take Reece James. James. Reese James for sure. And but, then no one else. Yeah, that's it. That's the thing. That's, especially in England's back line, I think, is a huge worry. Because they're players that are either out of form or cannot stay healthy or have mistakes in them, like a John Stones. I mean, speaking of that game against Croatia, he made that huge mistake in extra time against Croatia. Uh, Eric Dyer in the back line. I mean, that just doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence. But then you look at their front line and maybe some of their midfield options and fullback options. Okay, okay, we can talk. You know, Foden, Kane, maybe... I mean, Sancho's kind of out of form too, isn't yeah, he? But look, how, but look at what you just said. You, you put... Brazil as a World Cup contender, only three English players would likely make their roster. Only three. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, yeah, Brazil's probably one of the number one contenders, which we'll talk about in a later episode. But should we leave England aside for now and move on to Wales? Quickly look at Wales. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to Wales because this is a... Wales qualifying to this specific World Cup, it's a bit of like, I think, bittersweet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cool to see Bale finally play in a World Cup, right? It's just not when we wanted him to play in a World Cup. 
No, I guess we wanted to see Prime Bale, and I, I, I have some. I don't know if you agree with me, and I understand that when he puts the Wales jersey, he's a different player. But I have some question marks. Is he even the best player in this team right now? It's difficult to say um, because I honestly haven't been watching him at LAFC. He's been horrible. Okay, well, <laughs> that's the thing. Like you said, he does put on that jersey and he becomes an alien all of a sudden. Um, so that's sort of the the variable that we can't really nail down at the moment. But like, who else would be up there? I mean, there's a couple of players that are interesting to me. I'm not going to put um, um, Dan James, obviously, but no. Um, Nico Williams and Bernard Johnson from Nottingham Forest uh, yeah. are young players to watch in the World Cup. I wouldn't say they're better than Bale because when Bale comes, Bale is a former world-class player. And when he comes in for Wales, he's deadly. But I'm just trying to mention players that people should watch out for in the World Cup. And I think Nico Williams and Brennan Johnson are two players they're going to have to watch out for, for sure. Um, that center back that was with um, Chelsea, uh, Mpadu. Uh, Mpadu, yeah. Mpadu that played for Chelsea. He's on a loan. I can't remember where they sent him. Um, ben Davis, is he, hel- is he healthy? He is, yes. He just scored recently. He might be their best player now. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard for me to look past Gareth Bale and say that uh, Ben Davies is is ahead of him at the moment. But yeah. I, one thing's for sure is what's going on with Aaron Ramsey. Um, where, where is he at the moment? Aaron <laughs> Ramsey, he, last time I checked, he was in France. Yeah, I think he's at Nice. Um, yes, he is at Nice after going on loan to Rangers, which I don't think went incredibly well. He's sort of been bounced around all over the place, but he's another one of those guys where typically tends to show up with Wales, which really makes Wales difficult to sort of get a read on, doesn't it? Because they tend to be difficult at the very least. They tend to be difficult in these sort of tournaments and these sort of things. And then you add a Gareth Bale who can pull something out of nowhere into the mix, and it makes it really hard to get a read on Wales. Yeah, but but Adrian, you have, what, over 200 subscribers on YouTube right now? I Definitely yeah. more than 200. You're right. Yeah, yes. more than 200,000. Um, does that qualify as famous? Because if Aaron Ramsey scores, you might, you know, you might want to get a bit worried about that. NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet any $5 NBA pregame Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, total points scored, and more. With bigger payouts than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of tactical yanks, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. 
Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Raycon Earbuds have three sound profiles so you can have a personalized listening experience, as well as an awareness mode where you can hear the world around you. Whether you're doing the most intense exercise or just sitting around, Raycon Earbuds are perfect for you. Go to buyraycon.com slash tbpn today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash tbpn to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash tbpn. So every time Aaron Ramsey scores, we know what happens to someone that's famous, right? So, And you have over oh, 200,000 yes. subscribers now, so I don't know if you qualify. It's true. And also there is a, there is a Rabona TV curse, but it's typically only, it's typically left to just when I'm watching matches live where I slander a player and then they do something great. Oh, you just jinx them. I'm used to that too. What have you. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a solid jinx. Sometimes I try to use it to my advantage. It doesn't always work out, but we'll see. I mean, I, hopefully I won't be the next sort of uh, victim of the Aaron Ramsey curse. There's some interesting curses people dying then there's the drake curse where he takes pictures with people there's the mexico the curse loses too. or they get a the horrible injury one. the the maldicion del quinto partido which i'm sure when we talk about group c we'll dive into that but there's also the mexico one absolutely there's plenty of curses out there so wales is sort of tough to get a read on and then our final team in this group iran hey this is their their third World Cup. Yeah, in a row just before we go to Iran, one thing about uh, specifically um, Wales is I expect them to be a team that bunkers. They might play Gareth Bale likely up top. I, we've seen them do that a few times, and they'll counter. That's why I mentioned Brennan Johnson and Nico Williams because they're going to be very important in transition. Maybe even Dan James and Gareth Bale up top is going to be the guy that tries to decide the game. So, I, so in those teams, Adrian, you know this. Um, in World Cups that are short, a short tournament, they can be tricky. They can be very tricky. They get a 1-0 win. All of a sudden, they're almost through to the next stage. Then they can pull a draw here. They advance. So uh, don't. what I'm trying to say is no one should count out Wales um, for sure, especially with how shaky the United States has been. We saw Scotland also tie England 0-0 yep. on the Euros. Why can't Wales, right? So... Uh, watch out for Wales. They can cause trouble. Now under Rob Page, they seem to be causing a lot of trouble to different teams. They cause trouble to Belgium a little bit here and there. So there's that. Yeah. You run. Yeah. They're a very, very difficult team. And I think that, as you were saying, I think it's almost sort of a, no disrespect to Iran, who we'll talk about in a moment, but it does feel like it's a bit of a toss-up between the United States and Wales. But who knows? Iran could surprise some people because they have players such as Mehdi Taremi, who is doing incredibly well at FC Porto this season. I, I got to admit, he's a player that was supposed to be coming to Benfica. He was coming to Benfica. He was coming to Benfica. And then, oh, ended up going to FC Porto. I do have issues with how much the man dives. It is absolutely insane. There was actually a commentator recently in the, in the Classical between Porto and Benfica. And the commentator said, wow, he's a magician. The way that he just makes contact appear out of nowhere. Or sometimes there isn't even contact, but it looks like it. He's amazing at drawing penalties and yellow cards. Well, penalties less so. I mean, especially at the World Cup, because in Portugal, you can still dive and have no contact and get a penalty somehow, even though there is VAR. But at the World Cup, I'd like to hope that doesn't happen. But he can draw he, yellows like crazy. Uh, 
But that said, I don't want to reduce him just down to that because he's been incredible, both his passing and vision. But I like that you mentioned that because what happens with Taremi is he is actually a specialist in drawing PKs. That is, I've been talking about this about the United States facing them because when you go to Transfermark and you look at his stats, people look at it and it's like, holy cow, he has 20 goals, which is amazing, but he has 13 assists also. This guy can play make. Transfermark counts drawing a PK as an assist. And he does do that a lot. Mm-hmm. So it is an underrated aspect of it. That is an ability. So Taremi can be a it massive is. problem. He's a fantastic center forward for Porto, Champions League proven. And I think most people probably know him by now. Very strong. The problem with this Iran side mm-hmm. that's been noticeable in the past few friendlies and even matchups where they have, they really struggle with physical teams for some reason. They struggle with teams that bring in physicality. Why? I don't know. And and this has been even a topic of debate among the Iran community of why players from Iran struggle, for example, in the Premier League. Um, that, that's been a topic yeah. there. So I don't know how to t- I don't know what to tell you about why, but it's something that they've mentioned. I thought it was worth telling everyone. But any other players like Asmun, he's injured, right? Mm-hmm. I believe he is. It's sort of touch and go as to whether he'll be sort of fit for the World Cup right now. But one thing about Iran, like they, people need to understand, I'm sort of talking myself into thinking that they could actually cause more problems than people think they will in this World Cup because they finished ahead of South Korea in Group A. They lost once. They were top scorers in that third round of qualifying. They could do a little bit more damage than we expect them to, especially with the form that Taremi is in. I don't know. I think that they're one of those teams where sort of write them off at your yeah, own. Yeah, I mean, sort go of back to 2018, point. right? Uh, they fired Skotic now, yeah. their manager that got them to the World Cup, and they rehired Carlos Queiroz. That was their coach in 2018. And when you look into 2018, what they did in the World Cup was – Pretty damn good, in my opinion. Like they, they tied Portugal one one, and I think Ronaldo scored late in that yep. game, wasn't it? That Portugal game. No, uh, no, no. Sorry, sorry. I they tied late in the game with the people. Quaresma scored for Portugal. Yeah, remember, yeah. legendary Ricardo Quaresma. Yeah, I remember it was sort of a BS yeah. penalty call, that and they, they got tied at Portugal. The end, I think. They lost to Spain just one zero. Spain had to grind out a win with Diego Costa scoring. And then Iran defeated um, Morocco with a late own goal, um, like at the 95th. So, mm-hmm. sure, when you look at, into it, they definitely got lucky. The two goals they scored were in stoppage time this whole tournament. But they still got four points in a group with Portugal, Spain, and Morocco. Morocco's no pushover. Portugal and Spain are top European nations. So to say Iran won't cause trouble and doesn't have a chance to go through their group is nonsense. This this group that they have now is better than the 2018 one. Like you talked about, Taremi's in a better player, um, Asmun there, and and there's be- and and Carlos Queiroz. Now they have a World Cup experience already on their baggage. Um, definitely can cause trouble. The the problem for Iran though is we talked about how Asmun is injured. He might not play in the World Cup, and even if he plays. He's not going to come in in form. Asmund, for anyone who doesn't know, he's a center forward that plays for Leverkusen. Doesn't play too much for Leverkusen, but he's in their roster. He's not going to come in in form. So what happens to Iran if Taremi gets injured or suspended for a game? It seems like the team will have no power up top. That, that is something to be asked about them. I don't really have iran advancing i've talked about this many times i have Iran in fourth and they get pissed when i say this but that's my prediction for them 
but they are no pushover. They will cause trouble and they won't finish. I don't see them finishing with zero points in the World Cup. No, I don't think so either. I also have them in fourth, but if would I be surprised if they finished ahead of Wales? Not really. Would I be surprised if they, you know, got good results against Wales and USA? Not really. I wouldn't be that surprised, man. So I think that uh, I'm sort of talking myself into a Iran believer all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's safe to say that the bottom three in this group could go in any direction and it's going to be incredibly competitive. Yeah, uh, but but again, I, I talked about this um, with some of the Iran guys and could England fall in the group stage? Hmm. I mean, if they continue on with the form from the Nations League, then potentially, but it it is difficult to see, you know, they, they tend to at least do, ah, God, you know, they did struggle against Scotland yeah, in Euro and, 2020. And Adrian, do you think Gareth Southgate is going to change his system, right? The 3-4-3 the, the three, three, or the 3-4-2-1, the back three with the left wing back yeah. that usually is Luke Shaw, that, that is slow and can't recover as fast. They're weak in transition. Usually on that left side, it's also Harry Maguire on the back three. And and Southgate pretty much said, Maguire's my guy. He's going. So you look at England, um, also the way he puts the team to play out, the system he puts out, Harry Kane has to be like the best playmaker and goal scorer of the team. So he essentially has to take the corner and go head the ball in the back of the net. So you, we always look at England like, mm-hmm. why is Harry Kane underperforming? It's like, well, yeah, you're asking him to do every single thing possible on offense. Um, you still play Sterling, and people are like, oh, but he performs for the national team. Yeah, but you got better options, dude. Get over it. Um, uh, yeah. If you go for like Rice and Phillips in the midfield, I don't think that'll happen because Phillips also, yeah, he's injured, Phillips but that's injured, what he I did think, in the yeah. Euros, and it worked. Um, if it's Rice and Bellingham, I'll be more optimistic if I'm an English fan. Um, but Reese James is out. That is a problem because now, even though I yep. still think Trent Arnold's a fantastic wingback going forward, he's a liability on defense and you lose Reese James. I do think England, so England plays Iran in the first game. Let's say Iran pulls a draw. I don't know. I, I don't think England is yeah. guaranteed to get out of this group. And we've seen them, like we talked about 2014. They had a group with Italy, Uruguay, and Costa Rica, and uh, and they were knocked down the group stage. So I think this group, and people hate to hear this, I think this is actually the weakest group in the World Cup, but the most balanced one. All the teams are a mess. Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, England is in the worst form they've been probably since they lost to Iceland. <laughs> Right, that what was was that twenty sixteen? That was probably their yeah, worst form since the Iceland defeat. Um, the United States is just confusing. You don't know what to expect. Like you go out and they the United States completely outplays Mexico and then loses to Panama, and then gets outplayed by Japan and then defeats Morocco three zero. So you don't know what you're going to get from the United States. Uh, Iran just got Carlos Queiroz back. Asmun is injured. You don't know. They're just going to try to grind out results. Wales, their best player, their lord and savior, Gareth Bale, is an enigma right now because, yeah, he shows up for Wales, but he's been at his worst with LAFC. It's been horrible in the Major League Soccer. So, And he's, he was even injured recently and just came back. 
they're not even playing him in the playoffs. He was injured the first round, second round, he stayed on the bench. Um, I don't think he'll play the final. Maybe he'll come off the bench in the MLS Cup final. So this to me looks like, and people hate to say this because they love to use like the FIFA rankings. Like, oh, based on the FIFA rankings, this is one of the toughest groups. It's like, guys, they're meaningless. Look, meaningless. If, if they were actually good in judging a team's level, Mexico and the United States would not be pot two. That's a fact. So this to me is yeah. the weakest group in the World Cup, but maybe one of the most exciting ones because it's the most balanced one. Anything can happen. I think, again, it might be the most fun group, to be honest. You know what it reminds me of as we sort of close this out? It reminds me of, and I hope that this is the case, the group the D Tottenham? of the Champions League this season. Yeah. With Eintracht, yeah, Eintracht, Frankfurt, Tottenham, Sporting, and Marseille. I hope that we get that sort of situation because as that those final matches were going on in that Champions League group, I think every team was jumbled around from first through fourth, basically. So hopefully we'll see something like that in that group. But I think that that will just about end the sort of preview for this one. And I think that what we can take away from this is that maybe more even and more difficult for a team like England than perhaps people would have you believe no i think that's it for this group um like we said as uh, i hope it's like the champions league one you said that we go to the third round the world cup with all four teams having a chance of advancing uh that's gonna be exciting the 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 best scenario will be if in the last round because last round is united states and iran england and wales england needing a win to qualify Right, something like that would be fantastic because then you see England going all out on Wales, Wales defending, and then the United States and Wales also have sorry, the United States and Iran having the United States have to go after a result, right? An attack. Um, I don't know. Uh, I hope not because we struggle. The United States struggles to break a low block, so I hope Iran has to attack us in a soccer way. Okay, so no one takes that out of context. Uh, and yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with my prediction here uh, real quick before we close this one. I'm going to say England first, United States second, Wales third, and Iran fourth. But it can honestly flip the other way around. I don't know. This group is interesting. Yeah, those are how I had them laid out. But um, like I said earlier, you could put those bottom three in a Yahtzee cup and sort of see what comes out on the other side, in my opinion. It really could go in any direction. Um, but that's it for this one, guys. That's it for Group B. We will have Group C for you soon as well. If you are enjoying this coverage of the World Cup 2022 group stage previews, do leave us a review. Share it with your family, your friends, everyone. And even your dog. I'm sure your dog would love to listen to it. Put it on while you fall asleep. Doesn't matter to us. But yes, for Filippo, I am Adrian. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.